Happy New Year. So excited to be here with you in this new year. I just want to look back very briefly at December. What a December it was. In fact, we had more people on our campus in that month in December than any other month of the year. How many of you were on this campus in December? All right, I know you laugh, but some of you, it's your first time here. You've never been here before. Uh, you know, I, I rarely do this, but how many of you just show of hands, this is your first time on this campus ever? You've never been here before. I, I, you're, okay, wonderful. And I, was there a hand back there? Let's give a warm welcome to those that are here. Well, my name is Drew Sams. I'm the head of staff. I, I know some of you might not recognize me uh, in this new year, uh, but uh, as we get in this new year, just a reminder, if you don't know who we are as a church, we desire to be a people that follow Jesus. Jesus. Desire to follow Jesus, who is alive and well, who lived the perfect life, who died the perfect death, who ascended to the right hand of the Father, who is the head of this church. We desire to follow Jesus every day and everywhere with everyone. And we do that because we believe that as we do that, that things will happen. And what we long for, what we pray for, what we yearn for is that every person, every neighborhood, and every city would be revived and renewed by Jesus. And as we gather together as a church, we are reminded of those things. And as we scatter, we get to be the church. You see, we get to gather in this church building, but we, if we've put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are the church. And we are called for a purpose in this city, in our neighborhood, with the people in our life, to be part of that reconciliation of all things, that revival and renewal. So we had so many people as they came on in December, we were able to give away 13,000 meals on Thanksgiving, uh, right there at the end of, thank you very much. I got a case of the dry mouth this morning. Thanks, Greg. And as we got into the month of December, simply wanted to let you know that we as a church, our church family gave not only their time and service, there was a number of amazing things that happened. Uh, if you recall that we had not only the services throughout the month, we had uh, the Christmas concert, which was phenomenal. How many of you just show of hands were at the Christmas concert in December? What a phenomenal... And let's, Dan, can we thank you again? And, and in the 901 service for the band and the choir, it was just an amazing time. People served in the Christmas Eve services on Christmas Day. It was such a great time gathering. Many people were saying, gosh, I wish Christmas lined up every year on a Sunday. It was really a great time as we spent together. But I also want to let you know, uh, in addition to that service, we had our Christmas tea. How many of you served as a butler in the Christmas tea? Anybody here? And in the 901 service, it was a phenomenal time of service. And additionally, in December, you gave not only your time, your energy, uh, and your service, but you gave, ready for this? You gave over a million dollars to the ministry of this church so that lives would be revived and renewed. And at the end of the month, December's our biggest month as we look at budgeting throughout the year. We ended up 15,000 above what we accounted for, what we planned for, what we budgeted for. So praise God, it's amazing. And I know some of you got some emails that we sent out at the end of the year. And the reason why we want to communicate these things is because we believe that every single one of us, if this is our church home, that we get to be a part of what God is doing rather than just pick up the phone behind closed doors and just asking, you know, a number of individuals. We want to give everybody the opportunity to know 
where we are as a church family, how we can, in a sense, put our oars in the water together, that we can row together, that we can actually aim towards what God is calling us to. And what's so exciting about that is we start this new calendar year in the month of January, as it happens every year. It's interesting. Every new calendar year starts off in January, but it's our goal in January to pay off the line of credit this month. It's one of our uh, loan covenants that we have to pay it off in the first quarter for 30 days. And so we are on track to do that. All that to share that we have as a staff really leaned in in this last season, really being shrewd with how we serve, how we budget. And we do all this because we believe that God is calling us to greater things, to have a greater impact, not only on this campus, but also in this city and around the globe with all of our partners. So praise God. What an exciting time. And as we lean into this moment together, as we have new elders being ordained today, deacons being installed today, there's an opportunity for all of us to, in this new year, say, God, how do you want me to participate in what you're doing here at Bel Air Church? You see, to be part of the church isn't something that you just watch and sit back. You see, the best celebrations in life are ones that you actually get to be a part of. And as we gather as a church family, we get to participate in this together. Some of us will choose to do that through serving in early childhood. In the youth ministry, some of you will serve in men's ministry or women's ministry. Some of you this year, for the first time, you're going to lead a life group. You're going to go downtown LA and you're going to serve with one of our partners. You're going to be sent out on the mission field somewhere around the world. This year might be the first time where you actually say yes to being a greeter, to volunteering in the parking lot, to being an usher, to join the choir. Of the many things that we have an opportunity to do so, we have an opportunity in this year to be a church that grows in serving passionately. And we're starting off a brand new series today. It's going to go for the next four weeks. It's called Start Small and Start Now. And there's a life that God calls us to that is so much more extravagant and amazing and vibrant than we could ever imagine. And the amazing thing is that Jesus describes it for us through how he lives his life. We find in Scripture a description of what that looks like and also the resources and the means and the power to become those kind of people. So if you have your Bibles, whether you're online or you're in the 901 or you're here in the sanctuary, open those up to Romans chapter 12, verse 11. If you're new, if you don't know, we have those red books in front of you. That's our pew Bible. If you don't own a Bible or if you're in the 901 service, those Bibles in the back of the room, if you don't own a Bible, take one with you. Take it home with you. Would much rather you have it than it sitting here all week. We can replenish those nice and easy. But Romans 12, 11. And over the next four weeks starting today, we're going to do one verse at a time. This week will be Romans 12, 11. It's on page 923 in your pew Bible. Next week will be Romans 12, 12. The following week, Romans 12, 13. And week after that, Romans 12, 14. You're thinking, oh, what's happening? He's going verse by verse, finally. <laughs> Took three years. Here we are. Let me read for you briefly Romans 12, 11. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he says, Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. This, my friends, concludes the reading of God's Word. 
Okay, we can give thanks. And let's keep this open because I'm going to stay here on this one verse the entire time. I could spend an entire year on this one verse. I'm not going to. I'm just going to spend the next, oh, 18 minutes on this one verse. But keep it open. And let's take a look at this. You know, the New Testament was written in the Koine Greek language, the common Greek. And we translate it into language that we understand. So here we are in North America, and so we have in front of us the English. And one of the greatest things that I experienced in seminary was beginning to understand and to learn the tools that actually are accessible to all of us. It's amazing how online there's software that's out there that you could actually begin to study the original language. And I just want to unpack for you to, to, you know, unveil to you some of the fascinating things that Paul is saying that as we translate it to the English, kind of it loses its power. It loses its just umph. So as you look there at Romans 12, verse 11, it says, do not lag in zeal. Paul uses just in that little section, two words that are on the opposite end of the spectrum. The word lag literally means do not be lazy. Now, how many of you, and it's okay because I was too, how many of you over the Christmas break, over the holiday break, at some point felt a little lazy at some point? Okay, can you relate to that? Some of you were so lazy, you're like, I don't want to raise my hand. (laughs) I'm still in that laziness. I'm just, you know, don't make me. So we know what lazy is, you know, it's, it's hard to motivate, it's hard to get going, it, you know, you feel slothful, you just feel like, oh, I just want to sleep in a little bit longer, I, I'm going to put off doing that for one more decade, it's okay. So lazy, we know lazy, right? Now Paul says, do not be lazy, and the word zeal literally means eagerness, excitement, engagement. It's the opposite of lazy. <laughs> Laziness, it's, oh, I just can't wait for it. Now, how many of you, and you look back on your life, or maybe you're in this right now, that you've got maybe a hobby, or you've got a a new restaurant, or maybe a person you're in a relationship with, or maybe it's a new grandchild or a new child, or or there's, there's something in your life that you just can't stop thinking about. How many of you, show of hands, can think of one thing, at least one point in your entire life where you wake up and you're thinking about it? You're excited about it? You, you're giving your time, your energy, your resources toward it, your money towards it? You're trying to think, what can I sell to get more? Show of hands, how many of you have, can think of something? Okay, two ends of the spectrum. Paul is saying, do not be lazy in being eager. And we'll get to what he's talking about in a moment, but he begins this section by saying that what I'm about to talk about, I'm not saying that you've just got to be willing to do it. What I'm saying, Paul, is saying to the church in Rome and through the Holy Spirit to us today, Speller Church in 2017, that what he's talking about, he's calling all of us not just be, to, to be willing to do, but to be eager to do it. So eager, so enthusiastic, so excited, so leaning in, so just, just filled with just this, this just latent energy, just so excited that you can't even be lazy of that feeling just for a moment. I mean, it's amazing that Paul says not even to just be willing, not even to just be enthusiastic. He's saying, don't be lazy in being enthusiastic. If you're going to turn the volume of energy up to 11, don't turn it down to a 10. Don't turn it down to a 10.9. 
And you'll notice in the beginning of this section of Scripture, this section of Scripture has been described as marks of the true Christian. This section of Scripture, Paul is describing what it means to be part of the church, what it means to be a Christian. He's not describing leaders. He's not describing pastors. He's not describing elders. He's not describing deacons. He is describing not even members of a church. He's describing what a true Christian looks like. And he begins this section by saying that there's an eagerness, there's an excitement. Don't dial that back. Don't dial that down. It's not just a willingness to do what I'm about to say. You've got to hunger for it and long for it. And let me just say, as we get into this, my goal is to make you uncomfortable. Okay? Because I'm uncomfortable reading this as well. Senior pastor, head of staff, we should all be uncomfortable over the next four weeks because Paul is going to give a picture that is so beyond, that is so much greater than I believe what every single one of us experiences. And on one hand, we should be uncomfortable. If we actually slow down enough to not just read Scripture, but to let Scripture read us, to not just go through this passage, but to let this passage go through us, we should see a gap between our life now and this description that Paul is calling us to live. Now, there's good news here. Because Paul says that the way to experience this isn't through guilt. It's not through trying harder. It's not through just a number of techniques that you can master. But actually, God has given you the resources to grow in this area that actually you'll never arrive, you'll never get to this true description, this full experience until you're in God's presence. And the joy of the life of a Christian is to see that we get to for the rest of our life by the power of the Spirit in relationship with God as we follow Jesus for Him to narrow that gap more and more and more and more. You see, we'll never arrive. But at the same time, God is calling us to more. He's calling us to change. He's calling us to increase our enthusiasm, our eagerness, our excitement, to not get lazy in that, to not just be willing to do it, but to be eager to do it. And what is that? We'll look at the second section. Do not be lazy in eagerness. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Now, some translations say, be fervent in spirit. Now, the word fervent is the same root word that we get the word effervescence from. You think about uh, Perrier. You think about soda. You think about the, ah, you know, the sound that comes up. If you get close enough, I, just, I still have these memories of, as a kid, my mom would crack open the ginger ale and I would just hear that sound. I would see the bubbles go up and she would pour it into the cup and I would put my face up against it and I would literally, I would feel the effervescence. I would feel the just, you know, you would just feel it jumping off onto your face. Flat water can't do that. And what's amazing here, if you look at the Greek, and it's easy to miss here, but the word uh, for spirit is the word uh, pneumati. And before that word, there is a definite article that should be translated the spirit, not just spirit. It's not just your spirit. 
It's not just be effervescent in your spirit on your own accord. It's, it's to be effervescent in the spirit, the Holy Spirit. You know, you go to a restaurant. Some of you, it's a, a casual restaurant for some of us. It's a, it's a very fancy restaurant when the waiter says, would you like flat or sparkling water, right? We know the difference between those two. What Paul is saying is this spirit, the Holy Spirit, that once you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that spirit that now lives in you and dwells in you, don't let it be flat. Don't let it be still. Let it be sparkling. Let it be effervescent. Another way that you could translate that word of fervency or ardency, it literally is this picture of water that is boiling. You know the sound that a tea kettle makes? When it finally gets to the place where that water, maybe after you poured room temperature water, even colder water in, you put it on the, the stove and all of a sudden it's just, you can just hear the pressure building on the inside. That's the image that Paul is giving. You ever taken a soda and, and you hand it to somebody you love? <laughs> oh, I can't wait to do that to my son. I've never showed him that uh, science project yet, but I'm looking forward to the day that I teach him that. And you know that moment that literally you can, you can almost, have you ever done that before? Have you ever shaken it up so much that you actually put your ear next to it and you can almost hear it about to explode? Try it sometime. If you shake it up enough, you could actually hear it about to, oh, and then you pop it open and it just comes flying out. It just becomes overflowing. Well, Paul is saying, the Holy Spirit that's in you, you've put your faith and trust in Jesus. If it's in you, let it sparkle. Let it overflow. Let it be a rolling boil in your life so that when people are near, near you, that they actually, they see it, they feel it. Well, what does that look like practically for the Holy Spirit to bubble up in your life? I mean, that could sound very esoteric. It could sound very uh, mystic. Well, Paul describes that there is something called the fruit of the Spirit. That when we allow God's Spirit to to grow in our life, that as we spend time in God's Word, in community, in prayer, leaning into this life that God calls us to, that there's, there's literally fruit that should, that should bear. And people will actually see that in your life. Love. Like I said before, I put my face up to that cup of ginger ale. I could feel it sparkling in my face. When people are near you, do they feel love emanating from you? Do they feel joy radiating off of you? Joy is so much different than happiness. Joy supersedes circumstances. It's regardless of what's in the bank account, however well that project is going, regardless of your health, is there a joy that is anchored in the promises and the, the presence of God? Is there patience in your life? Is that what comes out of you when you're pressed? In this Christmas season, in the midst of all the stuff, was there patience that, that emanated from you? Is there, is there peace? Is there that deep shalom we spent all of December talking about? If you're new to the church, you can go online, go to iTunes, get caught up on what we talked about in December. Is there this peace of God, this wholeness, this wellness, this, this sense of 
just security emanating, radiating, bubbling up from your life? Is there kindness that just comes forth from you? When you're shaken up at work and you pop, finally you pop, what comes out? Is it kindness that comes out? Is it goodness? Is it faithfulness? Is it gentleness? Is it self-control? You see, Paul says to be ardent in the Spirit, to be fervent in the Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit to be bobbling up from within you and to be so enthusiastic about that life that you don't get lazy in that, but you long for that and you want for more of that, that you actually ask people in your life and you say, am I that loving? Am I that joyful? Am I that peaceful? Am I that patient? Am I that good to people? Am, am I that kind? Am I, am I that faithful? Do I have that much self-control? I mean, to actually invite that perspective into your life is scary. There's risk in that. Man, whenever I do that in my life, on one hand, I, I, I'm crushed because I'm actually doing a lot worse than I really think in my mind I am, but on the same time, I'm actually encouraged because in the midst of that, God loves me. He doesn't say, I want you to have fruit before I love you. He says, I love you first when you're a dried up dead tree. Now I'm going to give life to you. I'm going to plant you in a new relationship with me and I'm going to bear fruit in your life. But then he ends with this. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. The Greek word for serve literally means to be enslaved. Now, what a loaded word. And constantly, Apostle Paul talks about being enslaved to Christ, to see Christ as your master, to see Christ as your Lord, to see Christ as your owner. And Paul constantly talks about how it's true in life. We get mastered by things. We get owned by things. We get captured by all these things in life that we think will give us freedom, but they actually cause us to be enslaved by them. I remember years ago when I first became a Christian, I remember sitting up in those pews in college when Michael Venning was the pastor, and then after that, Mark Brewer was the pastor. I remember constantly, Mark Brewer, Pastor Mark Brewer was constantly saying, if you give me your calendar, if you give me your checkbook, I will tell you what you value. I will tell you where your treasure is. And it, it stuck with me after 16 years. You see, where you spend your time, where you spend your money, the first thing that you think about when you wake up, the last thing that you're thinking about when you go to bed, maybe as you set New Year's resolutions, the things, the categories that you're setting your resolutions in, you see, whatever you put your focus and your energy and your time and your heart towards, those are the things that, that own you. Who's your owner? Who's your master? It's so subtle, but could it be your reputation? Do you do everything for the sake of your reputation? Are you feeding an addiction? Are you feeding this sense of, okay, if I just get this much money, I'll be happy. If I just get married, then I'll be happy. 
If I just accomplish this one project, then finally I'll have peace. Whatever that thing is, if it's not the Lord, it's your master and you're enslaved to it. But the Apostle Paul says that you, if you choose to be enslaved by Christ, and I know that's such loaded language. It's one of the reasons why it's been translated here in the English to serve the Lord. But it literally says, make Jesus your master. You got to follow him every day and everywhere with everyone. It's all about him. Jesus says in Matthew 5, no one can serve two masters. The word serve there is the same word for serve here. It's no one can be enslaved by two masters. You'll either love one and hate the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You, you can't serve. You can't be enslaved by two masters. And in this new year, as we start 2017, the Apostle Paul is calling us to be eager to allow God's Spirit to just bubble up from us so that we can serve the Lord. These deacons that are getting installed at the 11 o'clock service, they're stepping into this office, this role, to serve passionately. These elders that are stepping into this amazing office as a ruling elder of the church are stepping into this opportunity to serve passionately. And my prayer is that the elders and the deacons and all of us, remember how we started this, that litany of gifts that all of us are indispensable to the whole, that all of us would long to that we, would, that we would hunger for to serve the Lord passionately. I was here yesterday with a group of men. There was 25 of us. They showed up thinking that we were going to dig a huge trench in the asphalt. And a decision was made early in the morning to cancel that project because we knew that a big storm was coming this week. And if we opened up the asphalt, it would cause more water damage. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced a group of 25 men showing up early in the morning who want to serve, and then you say to them, we got nothing for you to do. I don't recommend it. I mean, it was almost a riot up here in the cafe. They're like, thanks for the donuts, thanks for the coffee, we want to serve. And I got a picture there in that moment of these men who then, guess what they did? For two hours in the rain, they walked up and down Mulholland to Calneva, down to the freeway, in all of our parking lots, picking up trash. Picking up trash. We found the craziest things. There was some, it, we filled up an entire pickup truck bed full of trash. One who uh, Tom Ricard told me that uh, years ago, the deacons, that was their responsibility to pick up trash. You know, our church sponsors this stretch. And the deacons years ago used to be responsible for that. He says, that toilet that I saw 10 years ago down the hill, it's still there. <laughs> But now there's a spa. There's a jacuzzi tub down the hill. We gotta figure out how to get this. We're not gonna leave another 10 years, okay? <laughs> there was bags of, of bottles. The oddest thing that I think we found was uh, credit cards and a driver's license cut up and thrown to the side of the road. I wanna hear the story to that. I don't know what happened there. But if you drove in today, maybe you didn't even notice it, but these men, they were so eager, they were so passionate in the rain, covered in mud, some of them, as they're going down the hillside to serve this community. There's so many stories of that, and I'm telling you, one of the greatest stories that I've ever experienced in my life led to the fact that I now have a son that this April 15th will turn five. Some of you know the story. 
And I'm not going to go on all the details. Uh, but my wife has never delivered a child. And yet we have a son named Judah who, if you were here earlier, was running around. I couldn't catch him. <laughs> around the sanctuary. He's 100% ours biologically. And I look back to about seven years ago when a doctor said to my wife and I, Drew, Erica, I'm really sorry to say, but I would give up financially and emotionally in having your own kids. And I say that with so much sensitivity, knowing that there are people here that are on that journey still. And I'm telling you, I know what it's like on Mother's Day and Father's Day to not want to go out in public, to struggle so much when people say, when are you going to have kids? And you can't. Well, some of you know the story that a couple whom we had known for a number of years that was part of a, a small group in a Bible study that we were in who had moved away, helped plant a church. They called us up, had us over for dinner, and they said, Drew, Erica, we don't know how you feel about this, but for a year, we've been praying as a couple. And for a year, we believe that God has put it on our hearts to help you have children. And we understand, we've kind of heard through the grapevine that Drew, you and Erica are able to make a fertilized embryo. I'm getting really personal here, but we understand that, Erica, you just, you, you can't carry a child. And we've had healthy pregnancies, and if you'd be up for it, we really feel that after a year of prayer, we feel like God is leading us to offer this to you to carry your child for you. And over spaghetti and meatballs at their house, <laughs> this firefighter and a full-time mom, all of a sudden my wife and I are in tears. I'm asking the questions, how does this work medically? And we spent the next four months meeting with our family, our friends, doctors, lawyers, pastors, counselors to make this decision. Here's part of the story you don't know. About a month before we were scheduled to have that in vitro fertilization, I'm getting really public with some private stuff here. About a month before that, got a phone call. And it turned out that someone very close to this couple that had offered, who loved them very much and for good intentions, said, I don't want you to go through with this. And they had some leverage in their life. And they said to this couple, we're going to cause you to foreclose on your home if you choose to go forward with this. So we find out. I'll never forget that phone call. My wife and I, we call them up, this couple, and we said, we can't go through with this. We can't even imagine you losing your home. I mean, thank you for offering, and this is amazing. We're so humbled by this. And I mean, the fact that you would even offer this for us, we're just overwhelmed, but please, let's, let's, not, let's not go forward with this. And I'll never forget what this couple said. And I want you to hear this, church. They said, with such conviction, with such enthusiasm, with just the, the Holy Spirit just, just bubbling up inside of them, they said, we would rather lose our home than be disobedient to God. And I have a son. Because they were serving the Lord. Because they let the Holy Spirit bubble up 
that they weren't lazy in their enthusiasm and their eagerness to do that. And the next day, that person apologized. They said they were overreacting. And we went forward with it. There is a person on this earth because a couple did this. What will God do through you? What will God do through me? What will God do through us if we commit to this, to not lag in zeal, to be ardent in spirit, to serve the Lord? It's, it's, it's so simple. And yet we can devote the rest of our lives to this. So how do we change? How do we become those kind of people? I'm not there yet. You start small and you start now. And it's not about guilt, trying to shake you up, make you uncomfortable so that you are guilted into this. It's not about giving you techniques to step into this life. But two simple things. The first is this. Draw near to God. Because all of this stems from a relationship with Him. And if you have yet to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Scripture says that when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is both Lord and Savior, you're saved. God's Spirit now dwells in you. You are now a new creation. You're brought out of darkness into His marvelous light. He now begins in Philippians 1.6, a process that He will carry on to completion one day when you will be in Christ's presence. Some of you, you've already given your life to Christ. Maybe you've gotten lazy in that eagerness. You're lagging in that zeal. Making a New Year's resolution to spend five minutes a day in God's Word. I'm not going to give you the amount of time. Maybe it's 10 minutes. Maybe it's an hour. But draw near to Him. You see, I can't give you steps to grow a relationship with God. It's a relationship. And relationship takes time. It takes commitment. It takes focus. And would you... As you draw near to God, draw near to other believers. That's the second thing. God has given us each other to encourage one another, to lift one another up, to remind one another of these truths, to stir up in one another that, that zeal, that energy. I'm telling you, yesterday there was guys who, when they first heard, we were going to go out in the rain and pick up trash. I could look around the room and some were like, And then half the room was like, yes, let's do it. And then those guys were like, yeah, let's do it. And all of a sudden, two hours later, everyone's still picking up trash. And they're saying, this is great. This is amazing. You see, sometimes it just, it's contagious to not lag in zeal, to be fervent in the spirit, to, to serve the Lord. So as we start this new season, this new series, two things, draw near to God, scripture, time in his word, through prayer. And draw near to others in the church. We've got open word today. We've got life groups that are starting. There's ministries throughout the week. Look in your bulletin. There's so many things, so many opportunities going on. You're going to hear announcements in a bit. Take that step. It's a small step. It's a huge step. As we become people that serve passionately. Let's pray. God, in this moment on...
This day, we thank you that you served passionately, that you laid down your life, that scripture tells us that you came not to be served, but to serve and to give your life as a ransom for many. That God, as we read earlier here in the sanctuary out of Philippians 2, that you were obedient to death, even death on a cross, because Jesus, you became a slave, a servant to all, to humanity. May that melt our heart. May that change how we see ourselves, that you would go to the ends of the earth, that you would do all things, that you would give your life for us. May we serve you in return out of that love. May we start small and start now to draw closer to you, Jesus, to you, Father, to you, Spirit, and to draw closer to each other, your church. In Jesus' name we pray and we say together, amen.